Fun fact. Every single panda in the world belongs to China. So if you see、oh. like a, a panda at a zoo, it's lent by China. Ding. All the pandas can be found in Chengdu,、mm-hmm. Sichuan's capital city. Ding. That's、mm-hmm. interesting. That is a fun fact. Yeah. Hi. hi. That was a very tired and a hi. Very unenthusiastic hi. <laughs> I'm Tammy. I'm Leanne, and you're listening to Incrimination. You may be able to tell we sound very tired. I'm hungover.、Uh, yeah, I just spent a couple of hours building furniture because I just moved.、Mm-hmm. So this might be a low energy podcast, but we're gonna try to add some.、Uh, I don't know. Sound effects. Something. Burr, 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 burr. Not even sound effects. It'll just be our own mouths. It won't be like anything we add because we don't have.、It. That's still sound effects.、Uh, I don't know. Sound.、Uh, I just came back from like rafting, and then oh my god, Leanne, we went to this restaurant, and it was absolutely horrible. Oh no! Like oh shit! The service. We literally sat there for an hour just to leave. Oh my fucking god! So did yeah, you guys get like, to eat? No. We ended up just going to like some random like drive-in diner that、yeah. was like fucking. We got chili dogs and burgers, and it, it, they were like five bucks. It's awesome. Yep. Sometimes that just hits the spot too. Fuck, I could、yeah. use a chili dog、uh, right now. Anyways, case we're gonna <laughs> hop into today's case, and from the title of it, you can already tell that we're going to be talking about the Falun Gong, and. You know, I don't know if many people actually know who they are or have heard of them. Nope. But nope. If you've seen those Shenyun posters and flyers, you know the one with like the big, like the lady in the very、purple. flowy dress, and it's like a purple background or whatever,、mm-hmm. or she has a purple dress. I can't remember what the colors were, but if you've seen she's those, she's wearing a white or blue dress. Yeah, she's a purple ba- or something. Yeah,、like、that. there's purple in it somewhere. But if you've seen those, that's actually part of the Falun Gong, and it's a performance that they put on every year. And recently, I feel like it's become more of a meme because it's literally everywhere. Like people on the internet are like, "Lol, you can see this basically everywhere you go." I think it showed up in a couple、mm-hmm. of movies and things like that too, just like in the background,、no、like the billboard. Oh, actually.、Um, so yeah, it's it's really funny, and. They've kind of been seen around North America, Australia, Mexico, Australia,、uh, and as well as Asia, except for、mm-hmm. China. So that's the only country that you won't see a Shenyun poster in, and I'll kind of explain why in a bit. So today's episode isn't so much as a true crime case as it is more so of a piece of history that I wanted to share and also found really interesting as well, considering the number of cases that we usually cover. In China, or maybe that will potentially cover in the future as well, since it is a big country. So there are more cases that happen there, just with the size, <laughs> like considering the population that's、yeah. there. It's the same with the states, I think, too, right? Yeah, more people, more crime. Maybe.、Mm-hmm. I mean, more potential for crime, I guess. Yeah. So growing up, I'd actually always heard about the Falun Gong, and we'd walk past them in parks and things like that. And my mom would. Kind of like, not throw shade at them, but she because they tried to hand you flyers as you're walking past, and my mom would just be like,、mm-hmm. "No, thank you." And then she'd be like, "Yeah, don't trust these people." Blah blah blah. And I found it 
kind of like weird but that's the perspective that I grew up with was like to not trust them but as I sort of researched this case I was like oh maybe it's a little different like there are other aspects to it uh, that I actually never heard about before and so maybe were the flyers like the 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 flyers for the Shen Ren Ren no it, it's literally no. just flyers for Fallen, Fallen Gong though? yeah like to mm. be part of their practice and their their belief that I'll sort of talk about in a bit as well but the flyers that they mm-hmm. hand out are sort of to get you to join the Falun Gong and so what I'll be going through today is the founding of the Falun Gong how it all happened when it happened some of the controversies involving the Falun Gong as well as a bit more detail about the whole event of Shen Yuan as well and so is it like a religion or like a cult I'll get into it <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> the sources that I use for this episode is an article from The New Yorker, some stories written by Samuel Luo, whose parents were actually part of the Falun Gong, and this website is called The Untold Story of the Falun Gong. I don't think it's actually an active website anymore, but you can find them on archives. You know how people do like website Mm -hmm. archives and you can go back to a certain time? So I'll have that posted in our show notes anyways if you're interested in taking a more detailed dive into those. Also used an article from the Los Angeles Times, as well as Business Insider. So, uh, to answer your question, Tammy, what exactly is the Mm -hmm. Falun Gong? According to Britannica, the Falun Gong claims to be a new religious movement. Their origins are in China, with their beliefs stemming from Buddhism as well as Taoism, and they were established in 1992 by Li Hongzhi. They believe in using their Tong, which is sort of just like the practice of a lot of meditation, uh, slow-moving exercises, and regulated breathing. And I think a lot of us are somewhat familiar with the idea of Tai Chi. So it's mm-hmm. kind of similar in in the way that they use this Ti Tong, which is sort of just like your life energy and your your breath and, and all of that good stuff. And this practice became really popular among urban elders in China, especially in the late 80s as China was moving more towards atheism. And so people were trying to find like a different way of cultivating spirituality, even in the absence of actually like believing in a god or or believing in gods and things like that. So they were just mm-hmm. like finding a different way of expressing spirituality, and a lot of them found it through this thing called Titong. Interesting. Okay. So the core belief of the Falun Gong is to cultivate three things: truthfulness, compassion and forbearance and the definition of forbearance is basically having self-control um and being like patient and things like that so you know not giving into your impulses and things Mm. willpower yes the falun gong claim that practicing falun enables the people who practice it to absorb and harness all the positive energy in the world and turn this into happiness success and health So all of this sounds like really good. It sounds very like wholesome and like very, Uh it's a good way of, you know, a good lifestyle of, of, you know, trying to be positive and and to to live fully in in some ways. But there are certain controversies and a complicated history that the Falun Gong actually has with China and the government in China as well. After they were founded in 1992, the founder, Li Hongzhi, actually moved to the United States in 1996 and started giving his lectures in Houston, Texas that same year about the Falun Gong. So it was sort of this that started 
you, you started to see the more widespread nature of the Falun Gong and the, its teachings and its membership as well. Later mm-hmm. in the 90s, on April 25th, 1999, there were 10,000 protesters, all of whom were members of the Falun Gong. They arrived in Zhongnanhai, which is a place of both work and residence for many top officials in China. It was probably one of the biggest protests that took place since the Cultural Revolutions of 1989, which was 10 years before this protest. So if you don't know about the Cultural Revolution, maybe like do a quick Google <laughs> search of huh? it. Uh, it was a real big thing in China. And it's... Can you um, like summarize it? I can find a wiki thing on it. There's a lot that happened, but it's like... So according to a quick Google search on Wikipedia, lol, the Cultural Revolution was a movement that was started by Mao Zedong, who was the former chairman of the Chinese Communist Party, and this was their way of trying to get rid of all the capitalist and traditional elements from Chinese society and to uh, essentially bring in communism to to China. And so during the Cultural mm-hmm. Revolution, there were also a lot of protests, especially from youth. So there were a lot of youth who were of the mindset that like a democratic society was better and they didn't want communism and things like that. So there was a lot of clashes between youth and the government. Uh, It's obviously Mm -hmm. a lot more complicated than what I just said, but uh, that was in itself like a very large protest. And this one that happened in 1999 with the Falun Gong members was probably one of the larger protests that we know of because like the Chinese government likes to keep a lot of things hidden. So we never really know, but it's one of the sort of like the largest ones since then. Three months after this protest in April of 1999, the Falun Gong was officially banned by the Chinese government. Fearing that the Falun Gong could possibly develop an even bigger following than the Chinese Communist Party, they began to heavily crack down on this group. And this is especially the case because, according to the New York Times, the Falun Gong actually grew from 70 million to 100 million followers during the 90s. And even though, like, the entire population of China, I think around that time was, like, 1 to 2 billion people, when you have a 70 million to 100 million followers, it's still, like, a sizable amount and a noticeable amount, especially in, like, urban centers and things like that. Yeah. Wait, how old was the guy who founded it? He was... So he was born in 1951, founded it in 1992. So he was around like 40 years old. Okay. So he wasn't like young. Not at all. The Chinese Communist Party heavily leaned into their message where they portrayed the Falun Gong as a cult. And they released 400 articles about them being like, they're a cult, be careful, they're very dangerous, and things like that. So Mm. they were just like, they kept pushing this messaging out. Which I think is actually part of the reason why my mom, like every time we walk past them, they're like, don't trust them. Because that's like, she oh, grew yeah. up with that, right? Propaganda. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy to to think about. They also stated that five Falun Gong practitioners allegedly set themselves on fire at the Tiananmen Square in 2001. Oh, which is, that's what that Yeah. Is. But a lot of people actually claim that the Chinese Communist Party staged this because they wanted to be able to blame it on the Falun Gong and paint them even more so as like, look at them and their cultish ways and like they're they're burning themselves and things like that. Because members of the Falun Gong actually came out to say later on that suicide and self-immolation is against the teachings of the Falun Gong. So it's not actually something that true practitioners 
of the Falun Gong would mm-hmm. would do. On the other side, you know, this is sort of just like a back and forth of people accusing each other. According to the Falun Gong, mm-hmm. they claim that the Chinese government have killed thousands of their members and that they are continuing to harvest organs from members of the Falun Gong. Oh, is that the organ harvesting people? Okay. And I watched this video and I don't know how credible it is, but they like quickly mentioned that because the Falun Gong practices like all of this wholefulness and like good energy and, you know, meditation and all of that, that their organs are quote unquote more healthy. (laughs) So and and, like people in the Falun Gong, that's why they believe that the Chinese government also wants to harvest their organs because they're better and stuff like that. That's just like an aside. I don't know how credible it is. But mm-hmm. it's kind of, I was like, what the heck? That's kind of odd, but lol. Yeah, so, like, those people who do, like, the demonstrations downtown Edmonton, mm-hmm. are, are those... Oh. It depends. Like, I think you can tell. Usually they'll have, like, Falun Gong or Falun... Um, it's, like, Dai Fat. It's, like, D-A-F-A. They might have that, like, written on... They usually have signs and they have like a table mm. where they hand out pamphlets and stuff like that. But a lot of the times they'll have, mm. so they'll have like a group of people at a table where they have pamphlets and flyers to hand out. And usually on like on the side, they'll actually have people who are practicing Falun and they're, I don't know, meditating or they're doing some Tai Chi sort of movements as well. But mm. usually you'll be able to tell if they're there. Yeah, because I remember seeing like a group of like older Chinese women just like sitting on the ground and big signs with organs on them. I don't remember like the name that was associated because yeah. I don't really pay attention or try to remember yeah. Chinese names. Yeah, for no reason. But, but you know what? If you ever yeah, walk past now, now you'll know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is sort of disputed a little bit because a lawyer who worked on the Falun Gong's behalf claimed that he only ever really heard of a few people dying in prison and nothing about the organ harvesting. But it's something that the Falun Gong continues to say is happening to their members. And, you know, it's really hard to tell. There isn't like a lot of concrete, mm-hmm. concrete evidence about any of this. Yeah, it's hard to like be for or against that. Yeah. Because like, how would you know? Yeah. According to the New York Times... They estimated that anywhere around 2,000 people have been killed by the Chinese government between 1999 and 2009. So over the course of like 10 years, they killed around like 2,000 members of the Falun Gong. To this day, many describe the relationship between China and the Falun Gong as a war of propaganda, making it hard to tell who is actually telling the truth because, you know, China releases all of this propaganda which is like that that makes sense because that's kind of their Mm -hmm. their that's their jam that's their thing (laughs) and and the falun gong releases basically propaganda (coughs) which is very anti-china and (coughs) anti-communist party and all of that so really Mm -hmm. hard to tell despite the chinese government's attempt to squash out the group members of the falun gong are widespread throughout the world including in Canada and probably wherever you're listening to this podcast as well. You've probably seen them. You've seen Shen Yuan. You, you know what that is. <laughs> um, we'll have it on the yeah. Instagram too. Like you, you've seen yeah. it probably. Probably. Depending where you're from. Exactly. 
According to CBC, back in 2010, there were six Falun Gong members living in Canada who went to court demanding to be able to sue top Chinese officials. They claimed that they wanted justice for victims of torture who were beat, brainwashed, and deprived of sleep at the hands of the decisions made by Chinese officials. And they were demanding $20 million in damages for their suffering. Li Zhihe, a 45-year-old Toronto engineer who was one of the plaintiffs, explained that he all he did was write a letter to some of his colleagues in China about how the Falun Gong were being treated by the government, and he was later arrested, stripped down naked, and forced to go outside in the freezing wind. So they were trying to, like, ex- While he was in China? Yeah, because they still have cold, like, up north kind of thing. So... But, but like, but, like... Is he like, was he born, raised in China? Yeah, and then you come here and then, but every, like, they can still take you when you go back, right? Um, Like, they can arrest you. There isn't really anything stopping them from doing that. It was just like when he visited? Yeah. It happens to quite a few people, actually. Like, I know a couple of my friends whose parents it happened to, or like their friends' parents, where they just like went back and it was like, oh. You're under arrest. Yeah. Because they. That's fucked. It's actually kind of crazy. That's so scary. Similar cases have been filed by people against other governments, including Iran, Syria, as well as Jordan. And none of these panned out because there's some sort of immunity for governments when it comes to acts of torture, which is interesting. And I couldn't really find the resolution Mm -hmm. to this case either. Like, I looked around CBC and I couldn't find what happened. But, you know, something Mm -hmm. to keep in mind. It's very interesting. Yeah, very. And, you know, one of their main vehicles, of course, when it comes to spreading the word of Falun Gong and spreading to the West itself and continuing to grow its membership is attracting and gaining more members through this highly memed marketing of Shen Yun. And even though the memes are really funny, I think it's now actually become part of their marketing plan. (laughs) Because literally, as soon as you start memeing it, it actually reaches different corners of the internet a billboard if you're advertising on tv or through flyers and things like that that's one way of reaching people but once it's on the internet you can reach a lot of different corners especially once it's on twitter and people sort of laugh at it Mm -hmm. and things like that but it works out for them like it raises awareness for shen yuan and if people see that pretty cover maybe they're they don't really know it's the falun gong but maybe they'll be more enticed to go and watch whatever the show is the show is well the most recent rendition before covid obviously happened they had the slogan called five thousand years of civilization reborn and that was their whole thing and shin yun itself throughout the years they've done a lot of different dances and some of these include dances named goodness in the face of evil and the world divinely restored most people actually really enjoy the show itself because it's very beautiful. There's a lot of dancing, a lot of awesome costumes mm-hmm. and set designs and things like that. But it's the entire show is actually extremely anti-China, anti-atheism, and anti-communism. And there's one Ooh. scene in The New Yorker where they described... Because this person who wrote uh, The New Yorker article, they actually went and watched it. They described how there's one scene where there's a wave crashing down on a city and it's describing Uh like this wave as, you know, destroying all of civilization and destroying like people's live livelihoods and things like that. And Uh on the wave is the face of Karl Marx. And 
if you know, oh like for people, maybe if you haven't like studied or anything, Karl Marx is father of communism, essentially. Yeah, he wrote the book. But it, it, it's the entire show is like, it is beautiful, I'm sure. Like the dances mm-hmm. are beautiful, but all the stories behind the dances are mainly anti-China or anti-communism. And that's like the theme uh-huh. that is drawn throughout the entire show. That's so interesting. Is it like in in English in Chinese the entire thing? I'm not sure actually. It might be. Yeah. I know like a lot of shows now they'll do they'll speak in Chinese, but they they'll have two MCs where one will speak in Chinese and the the other one follows in English. Uh-huh. I've been to shows before where they put subtitles up on top of the stage. Like there's a little uh-huh. banner where they're able to put like words on top. So yeah. I don't know. I haven't been so. Mm. Shenyuan itself has six touring companies each with around 40 dancers along with an orchestra of 80 people so that's 120 people in each company and these all of these members were trained at the Feitian Academy in New York and this this academy is basically part of the headquarters in New York for Falun Gong because again, Li Hongzhi had to move to the U- had to move to the U.S. in order to you know make sure he wasn't arrested essentially, um, and now they just have a headquarters uh-huh. in in New York. Shen Yuan is actually massively successful. According to Business Insider, they filed twenty two point five million dollars USD in revenue in 2016 mm. and they only used i think i think their expenses were around like 7.5 million so they're pretty freaking profitable and all of the money that they earn from these shows goes directly back into training more dancers at the academy which and, and probably into their fucking marketing budget <laughs> considering mm-hmm. all of the marketing that they have yeah, but that's sort of like the most details I could find in Shenyuan. I could describe all of the shows for you, but you know what? You can go and check out the show notes for the New Yorker <laughs> article because that person actually like described the shows that she watched. But you know, if anything, you can go and watch for yourself because now you know the context and the background behind it, and it's kind of interesting. And I'm yeah, sure they're gonna do a show this year, if not next year, once things open back up again. Yeah. Do you think that all of the performers and stuff like believe in the stuff that they're backing up? But I realize that they're all trained at the academy, yeah. so yeah, like, probably check. I that. think they're all members, so I think they all do believe. Share those it. beliefs. Yeah. yeah. There are quite a few other reasons that make people a little bit uneasy when it comes to the Falun Gong. Despite you know we talked about it earlier, there it seems very positive. It seems very like a, a wholesome yeah. or a wholesome way of living, but. They are a little bit, you know, like it's a little bit off sometimes. Uh, okay. Lee did an infamous interview with the time that became well known because this is when he started talking about aliens. And oh. he claimed that the Falun Gong believed that aliens were actually, you know, giving humans a bunch of technology so that one day the aliens could control humanity. And so okay. that's, everyone was just like, hey. So then the interviewer <laughs> then asked whether or not Lee was a human being. And his reply was, you can think of me as a human being. <laughs> the reporter then pressed um, on more and asked whether or not he was from Earth. And he said, I don't wish to talk about myself at a higher level. People wouldn't understand it. What? So he just seems like a little little bit like full of himself. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Yeah. He's he's weird, honestly. <laughs> like, he's weird. Okay. How did he get so many people to follow him? Yeah, there's a lot of skepticism around who he actually was and where he came from because he always painted himself as, mm-hmm. like, this holy being um, and you know, like, the connector between the the divine and, like, heaven and the people who practice Fallon. And his, his uh-huh. own biography, so they, like, he wrote his biography and published it in a book of the, like, the teachings of Fallon. He, it stated that he began his training when he was four years old. His first teacher was a Buddhist master by the name of Quanzue, who helped him to, to quote-unquote, cultivate supernatural powers and instill great moral principles. At the age of eight, he claimed that he began to get supernatural powers, including levitation, becoming invisible, controlling others' thoughts and movements, as well as teleportation. Fuck off. (laughs) I know, I was reading this, I was like, I... Cool. Okay, Mr. Okay, dude. Sounds like, um, Asahara. Yeah. From Am Shinrikyo. (laughs) <laughs> the copy of this specific biography can no longer be found because it was published in an appendix of this book in 1999. And the biography okay. was later removed in 2000 and following versions because he didn't want people thinking that, you know, because he had masters, he didn't want them to think of his masters as being more powerful than him because he had to learn uh. this from someone else, right? So. He thought that yeah. by including this sort of detail in it, it would make people see the masters as outranking him and how holy he is. Mm-hmm. And instead, he just reinvented that story, just changed it up a little bit, you know, as you do. <laughs> and he said that he was actually reincarnated and had planned for these masters to teach him and pass down these findings to him in a later life. Okay. So, you know. Cool. That makes sense. Yeah. He continuously makes himself out to be a quote-unquote higher power. And in 2002, in an interview, he claimed that without him, the cosmos wouldn't exist. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, he thinks he makes the whole world go around. (laughs) (laughs) Alternatively, the Chinese media also gathered opinions and stories from his neighbors and co-workers in China, which painted a you know, just a slightly different story than the one that he tells in yeah. his own biography. From this, they gathered that Li was born in Gongjulin, which is an agricultural city in a province that borders North Korea. His classmates described him as very introverted and quiet, though they actually remembered that he was very talented at the trumpet. So he was sort of like, not really he didn't okay. really stick out right you didn't look at him and be like so not teleporting yeah yeah he wasn't teleporting at eight it was like oh <laughs> shit where did he go he played the trumpet yeah he played the trumpet no levitating i don't know <laughs> in 1970 when he was 18 years old he enlisted in the people's liberation army and that was just standard because they had conscription as well what is that basically you're, it's just mandatory military service So the People's Liberation Uh, Army was part of the Chinese Communist Party. He eventually got discharged. I couldn't really see or find information about why, but he was discharged. And he began working at an oil and gas company back in China. And he just stayed in the same province that he grew up in. In the late 80s is when his co-workers started noticing that he was going to the Buddhist temple more and more often. And... 
that was late 80s and he eventually founded the Falun Gong in 1992 so there's probably just that correlation it wasn't like he was he didn't start this when he was eight I'm sure it was sort of just like a a thing and I couldn't like see exactly why he founded it maybe it was like his own narcissism or something and he just wanted to have something on his own or he really did believe Mm -hmm. that he was this holy being responsible you know most leaders do believe that they're here to restore (laughs) greatness in the world and be lead everyone to to heaven or whatever it is Uh his neighbors also had some interesting things to say about him apparently lee would actually fight with people quite often and even ganged up on a neighbor with his friends before he also built a wall directly in front of his hallway so that he could block off his front door because he didn't trust people and he also didn't want them walking past his door so it's he, he's not really okay. like the benevolent being that he painted himself out to be and like being all holy and helping people to achieve this divine and, you know, great way of living and positive way of living. He, he seems very uh-huh. distrustful of other people. Mm. Other reasons why the Falun Gong is sort of questionable is that they believe that evolution is fake. Uh, They believe that people of different races will be separated in heaven. What? What if you're mixed? Probably not then, because I feel like they, it's like a whole (laughs) thing with like, you need to be one, like, I don't know, pure. I don't want to say that. Like, that even feels Uh wrong to say, but like. Oh, so like mixed babies would go to hell? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Right, even before you're born, your fate's already decided for you. Exactly. Um, they're also very homophobic, saying that it was part of God's plan to get rid of gay people in the world. They're also extremely resistant to modern medicine. So, uh, part of the stories that Samuel Luo, it, like, kind of told about his parents was that they refused Western medicine because the Falun Gong teaches them that getting sick is a result of karma. Oh, I thought you meant resistant as in, like, if they take it, it doesn't work. Oh. No, they're they just don't <laughs> use it at all. So, so you know, oh, you don't know. Maybe maybe it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. On this website, Samuel also describes what is the Fallen Judgment Day. So basically, in their teachings, they say that quote an everyday person is just an ordinary person in ordinary human society, a person who thinks about how to advance himself and live well. The better he lives, the more selfish he becomes. The more he wants to possess the further away he moves from the characteristic of the universe, he then heads for destruction, unquote. And there's a lot more of this, essentially saying that, Um. like, everyday people will eventually become eliminated and only practitioners of the Falun Gong will be saved. Uh, Okay. And a lot of things... Oh, and yeah, I do have a note on this, actually. A lot of things actually will qualify people as not being worthy of being saved and this includes uh, mixed race children homosexuals and people who just recently started practicing falun gong so if you're only like a a new practitioner of falun gong and like judgment day arrives and you wouldn't qualify for being one of the people who would be saved when is judgment day it doesn't say it's just one just one day you never know but that's why you just want to start yeah exactly you just got to start practicing now oh yeah yeah it's freaking wild possibly Uh connected to the Falun Gong is a newspaper called the Epoch Times have you seen this before? yes yeah I've seen this around a lot and like my parents actually have read them at some point actually the Epoch Times claims that they're independent from the Falun Gong but many of their anti-China sentiments are very similar between the two 
groups. And the newspaper leans very conservative and often publishes pieces supporting Donald Trump as well. And, you know, they state that they're independent from the Falun Gong, but I think I saw something somewhere where, like, they get funding from the Falun Gong, too. So I don't think they are. And a lot of their reactions and their sentiments and their thoughts and opinions are quite similar so i'm sure there's like fox news saying they are affiliated with the nra yeah exactly (laughs) same thing so i think there's strong influence from the falling gong to say the least did your parents read those were they around the house yeah uh i don't think so i I feel like i've seen it before probably just like around yeah i've definitely seen them uh, my parents usually read Vietnamese newspapers. So. True, they're at like the um, the newspaper signs when we go for dim sum. They used to yeah, be. Yeah, I was gonna say like the Chinese malls. Or yeah, whatever. I don't see them around as much anymore. But I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't. I haven't been out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just to sort of wrap this up, there continues to be a lot of debate around whether or not Falun Gong is actually a cult. And that was sort of the main. Like at first, I started wanting to research this specific group because i was like oh yeah i've heard about them they're a cult (laughs) it's sort of a debate because as much as the chinese government continues to try and portray them as a dangerous cult and even banning them in china it seems like the falun gong continues to grow regardless and there's already a Mm -hmm. lot of rhetoric out there about them being cultish and things like that but obviously there are people who still join yeah so you know in some ways it does seem like a cult because there's this one person li hongzhi who is the leader and is basically idolized and worshipped by the members yeah. as being like the most holy person on this earth <laughs> mm-hmm. but judgment day you know fulfills that exactly too. so there Take are a lot box. of characteristics of it being a cult mm-hmm. but who who's to say and just to prove how <laughs> much this lives in a gray area this i found this in the washington post and i didn't like read the fine print at first so i just read it and it says, mm-hmm. Falun Gong is apolitical and is not against any government. Like Tai Chi, it is a popular exercise that improves people's health and spiritual well-being. Had the Chinese government taken a closer look at the positive nature of this exercise, it would not have persecuted Falun Gong followers. All activities mm-hmm. of Falun Gong are open to the public and as practitioners always are willing to help the Chinese government gain an objective understanding of the practice, unquote. And I read that. I was oh, like, okay. damn, that seems very biased. I, like, scroll down to the fine print. This was written by members of the Falun Gong. I was like, fucking hell. Can you, like, <laughs> can someone just give something objective here? <laughs> yeah. And literally in the same article, because they basically combined that statement with a responding statement from the Chinese government. So the Chinese yeah. government just pushed back and they're like, they're a cult. They're dangerous. <laughs> and literally on the Chinese embassy, it, it, it says, like, be careful of the Falun Gong. They are a dangerous cult. On oh, the Chinese really? embassy, yeah. That's sort of all there is to Falun Gong. I'm actually really interested to hear anyone else who has, you know, if you've grown up and your parents have talked about it, like what have they said about it? What are their reactions to it? Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Leave some thoughts in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's basically I don't know. I didn't I never really had an opinion on them. Yeah. I saw like I think I saw like Tumblr threads back in the day, like exposing them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say, like, who is really telling the truth about, like, how... But, like, also, like, how are they dangerous? You know, because it's, like, old, middle-aged women that are doing it, yeah. most, for the most part, like, yeah. from what I can tell. And they haven't really staged... Unlike Om Rukio, right? They haven't staged mm-hmm. any... Not that I could find. Any attacks sort of attacks anything. on the public, so... Yeah, 
Well, thank you so, 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 so much, Leanne, for telling us all about Falun Gong. I had no idea what they were about, and I still kind of don't know what they're about. You know what? Same page. (laughs) (laughs) You know a little bit more, you know? Just like a non-unit. I'm like an educated guess about what they're up to. Yeah. Let's go to Shinrin. That'll be our our thing. (gasps) Oh my god. Should we go and then have like a review? Yes. I'm down. A review episode? Uh, The tickets are sort of... They can be like cheap, and they can also be very fucking expensive, so... Oh, we can take a look. We should do it day. for like an anniversary episode I know. next year. Yeah, that would be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for Canada Day. Yeah. I think that is all. Thank you so much. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do that. Please check out our show notes at bit.ly slash incrimination to see all of the ends resources that she used. And uh that it? Just the two things, right? Yeah. Two things. It's been a while. I know it has. <laughs> Bye!